we're in 2 Samuel again, uh, doing expository preaching. We're an expository church. And so to give everyone a recap, David has become king in chapter 5 of 2 Samuel. He ends up battling the Philistines, and he wins. Uh, through prayer, the Lord gives him a cheat code, so he knows exactly where to go and what to do. It's like uh, there's a story. I'm not a Steelers fan, but Troy Palomano is a man of God. Don't take this as a benefit for you, me on stage talking about Troy. But uh, there's a story that one of his teammates was interviewed, and he said that they, they were asking about Troy Palomaro. They're asking him about him, and he said, the guy said that Troy would actually come up in the huddle and say, hey, guys, God told me what the other team's going to do. And then they, and they would run the exact play, and he was like, it was, it was like that every time. It was like a cheat code. And the interviewer was like, that's not fair. It was Pat McAfee. He's like, that's not fair. I was on the opposite team. So I don't know if God really spoke to Troy or not, but it's a little bit like that. David's given this cheat code, so he knows what to do, where the enemy's going to be, and how to defeat them. So then, yeah, you loved that, didn't you? Yeah. I regret every word of it right now. So then that happens. Chapter 6 comes up. David says, hey, you remember that Ark of the Covenant? We need to go get that thing back. So they go to get it back, but they put it on a car. ends up going, going really terribly ends up being a tragedy where people die because they don't honor the presence of God. So then David ends up trying again, and he does it the right way. He gets the right people from the right family, gets these priests involved. They bring it. He dances before the Lord with all of his might. And his wife says to him, what are you doing? You look like a fool. And he says, I'll come more undignified than this. And that's good that we come undignified before our Lord. We want to honor him. We want to worship him in spirit and in truth. So then that leads us to Chapter 7, and it says this in verse 1. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet. Now, Nathan the prophet, he is a palace prophet. Uh, he is very bold. He's very vocal. His name means giver. Uh, he is uh, a counselor to King David and eventually to King Solomon. And so he, what's important about Nathan is that he hears from the voice of God. There's some people who believe, some scholars, they believe that actually Samuel mentored him. We don't know that for sure. But what we do know is he does hear from God. And so he, uh, he actually corrects David after the sin with Bathsheba, after he kills her husband, and after he kills her husband. And uh, so he's a very bold man. He's very outspoken. And... Uh, so that's who he is, just to give people reference. So David said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. So David is saying, hey, why should God live in a tent? Shouldn't we build a house for him? So then Nathan responds and says to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Now it seemed good, it seemed like something righteous, seemed like something very noble. So to Nathan, he's like, yeah, absolutely, do it. The Lord's on your side. But it kind of echoes 1 Samuel a little bit when they take the Ark of the Covenant into battle. And they're like, the Lord will be with us because we have the Ark. And then they get, they get beat real bad, and the Ark gets taken. And so they were wrong. And then Samuel, he comes up to the sons of Jesse. He gets to the first son. He says, surely this is the king. Look at his height. Look at how he has the look of a king. 
And God says, no, I've rejected him because I don't look at the outside of an appearance of a man, but I look at the heart. So then he rejects all the way down to David, and David gets picked. So this is what happens with Nathan. Is Nathan, it's something that seems right, something that seems like a no-brainer, but it's, it's not God's will. And let me say this, there's a difference between God's perfect will and God's permissive will. Now what I'll say about God's permissive will is that is things that God allow that maybe aren't necessarily in his will. I'll give an example. Say that someone is, God has in will for someone to get married when they're age 25. But then when they're age 18, they make the decision on their own to get married. Well, God allowed them to get married, but it's not God's perfect will necessarily because there's some things maybe God wants to grow. It's not saying God can't use that marriage or God can't bless that marriage, but saying it's something that God allowed. And, you know, there's things that happen on this earth, like Pastor Nathan said. There's things that happen to children that aren't okay. And it's not saying it's in God's will. I don't, I don't understand why some things happen on this earth. I don't understand why we have some pain. I don't understand those things. But you know what? I'm not God, and neither are you. And there's some things we'll never understand until we get to heaven. And there's some things I don't, I don't think we'll ever, we'll ever grasp. But... It's not saying that if you went through that pain, that it's okay. But the good news is this, is that Jesus came to give healing. And he came to give life and give it more abundantly. Amen, everybody? So there's the permissive will, but then there's the perfect will. And I'll get a little bit more into perfect will later on. But I would say there's a difference between individual perfect will of God and a general perfect will of God. General perfect will is Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. We're all supposed to do that. We're all supposed to follow the Lord Jesus. We're supposed to acknowledge him in all of our ways. But then, you know, my life may look different than Pastor Nathan's life a little bit. Even though we're both called to be pastors, our life won't look exactly the same. And so, you know, one of us have more kids than another. One has less. One has more heartache. One doesn't. But there's a difference. But really what happens here is there's... God, there, there's something that they want to happen, and this is a case where God steps in, Yahweh won't, won't have any of it, and he says no. And so that he says, I'm going to build a house for God, and God, he just, he won't have it. So it says in verse 4, it says, but that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go tell my servant David, and what's interesting about my servant David, when he says that, there's two other times that he says that one is Moses, is the last time he said it, and the time before that, it's Abraham. And they both deal with super important covenants that we'll get to. But he says, go tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, are you the one to build a house for me to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this very day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the, to any of the rulers I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So God is saying, hey, I've always been moving with the people. And I think that's the heart of God. He wants to be with the people. He wants to be in communion with the people. And you know, a good leader will never ask those who follow him to do something that he's not willing to do. And I'll give you an earthly example. Michael Jordan. 
Six-time champion, right? Well, he said, I never asked my teammates. He said, I was really hard on my teammates, but I never asked them to do anything I wasn't willing to do myself. And he wasn't fun to be around, but they won six championships. I want to be on a winning team, <laughs> don't you? But that's, that's God. God is, God is that. Remember Jesus said, he said, take up your cross and follow me. What did Jesus do? He took up his cross. He was willing to do it first. A good leader will always do that. Just a side note, really. But, but he, he says, I've been moving to this day. And he says, did I ever say to any of those rulers? And I really think this is God calling out David to say, look, are you greater than Abraham? Are you greater than Moses? Are you greater than Joshua? Are you greater than Gideon or Deborah? Are you greater than these men of old? Are you greater than Samuel? I didn't say that to any of them, so this seems like it's going to be a really, really harsh rebuke. But then God continues in verse 8. He says, Now then, tell my servant David. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all of your enemies before you. So God is saying, I'm greater than you, David. It's, it's me who took you from the pasture. I anointed you. I placed you as king. I'm the one who did this and made you ruler over the people. And so I really believe it's God stirring David to remember and acknowledge what God has done. And you know it's important that you and I, that we acknowledge what he's done, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we do that, when we acknowledge what the Lord is doing, it builds our faith. We acknowledge what he has done. And this, this verse right here, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the King James Version, I believe you need to memorize this if you don't know it. Write it down, put it in your phone, memorize this verse because it is a staple for your life. It says in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So that first part, trust in the Lord with everything. Don't lean on your own understanding. But then the, the second half, acknowledge him in all of your ways. We need to focus on that because when we focus on acknowledging God, it makes him bigger and makes us smaller. Think about if you're in a fight with a coworker or any relationship, your spouse, a, a, a child, a, you know, a mother-in-law, and you're in an argument and it's getting heated, and all of a sudden you stop and you back up and you say, hey God, what's your, what's your will in this conversation? Think about how much pain that would keep us from. If we acknowledged him in every single thing that we do, we acknowledged him, and I'm gonna, I want to purchase this car. God, I want to purchase this car. Should I purchase it? And he might hear a no. And it's for your benefit. We want to acknowledge him, but also remember what he's done. That, once again, that builds our faith. We remember he took us from the muck and mire, the Bible says, from the clay, and he placed us on a rock. We acknowledge what he's done, what he's doing, where we came from how good that he's been to us, it builds us so that we can trust in him with all of our heart. Acknowledgement is so important. We need to acknowledge him. Continuing on in verse 9, it says, 
Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel. I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning and have ever done, have done ever since I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from your enemies. So this is the beginning of the Davidic covenant, and it will continue. But he says three things. He says, I'll make your name great. I'll give rest to Israel, and, and I'll give you rest from your enemies. And I believe God did that. I believe that what happened was David moved God's heart because the Bible says this in Proverbs. It says, when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's ways, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. You know, the, the plan for us to be at peace with our enemies is to be in the Lord's way. To follow the Lord, to be pleasing to Him, to, to think purely, to have uh, thoughts that are good and, and righteous and just, and to walk in His ways. And I believe David was like, hey, God doesn't have a house. He needs a house. I have a house. Why don't we build him a house? And I think it moved God's heart, and, and God said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the daddy in this relationship. I'm going to build you the house. I'm going to build you a house. You're not building me a house. I don't need you to build me a house. But then he continues with the Davidic covenant, and he says in verse 11, the second half, it says, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up offspring to succeed you of your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this is twofold. So God is saying, hey, you're not going to be the one to build me a house. But what he is saying is Solomon is going to build, is going to build the temple. He's going to build that house. And it's important that we don't compare one's calling to another. I don't compare to you. You don't compare to me. As another example, Pastor Micah, he's called to politics as well as pastoring. I am not. I don't want any part of that either. I think that sounds awful and really boring. Okay? God bless Micah. You know, but, but I'm not to compare with him, even if, if he has a name that's greater than mine, or, or he does a service this way or does it that way. That's okay. Because God's called me to be me. And that's what I want. I want to be me. I want Micah to be Micah. I want Pastor Nathan to be Pastor Nathan. I want Pastor Mike Melito to be him. Ross, I don't know. I don't know about Ross. <laughs> right? I love Ross. I think Ross is really funny. I actually tell Ross, hey, Ross, just do what you want, man. You know? <laughs> Say whatever you want. I love it. I think he's great. I think we're going to be great friends, Ross and I. I think it's... I think we're going to grow closer and closer all the time. Hope you hear that, Ross. Love you, buddy. But, you know, like, if David had compared to Solomon and said, well, is, is my son going to be greater than me and got insecure? Why can't I build God's house? I want to do something great. Why can't I do something great? But, you know, that wasn't God's will for David. David's, God's will for David was that David would subdue the enemies around him. But God said, you can't build the house because you shed much blood. He couldn't do both. 
And he had to subdue the enemy so that there could be rest. And I believe, this is me personally, is God wanted his people to rest before a home was built because he's a good father. He's going to take care of his children first. And so he does that. And that perfect will of God is, is just, once again, it's a little bit different for the individual. And that's okay. We all have different callings. We all have different anointings. And I know David had a house built for him. He had amazing things. And you know what? You and I, we may never have a big home that we live in. We may never live in a mansion. But you know what? Jesus said, in, in my Father's house, there's many rooms. There's mansions in heaven. There's things that God will do that, that will be a blessing. I believe that there is a river of queso that runs right through heaven <laughs> with chips that grow on trees. That's my heaven. Maybe it won't be there. I don't know. Maybe it will. It's a great idea, God. That's angel food right there. Chips and cheese. Chocolate? No. Queso. <laughs> For some of you, you have your own version, right? But you know, in, in, in the will of God, his will is that we walk in love, we walk in kindness, we walk in peace, patience, all these different things. We walk in the fruits of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to love one another as we love ourselves. And this last Friday after we got home, I took the four oldest girls to the Pendleton pool. And uh, we go up to the front desk and I ask how much it is. And she, I swear, she said, she said 815. 815 and my daughter says the same thing and so I give her two fives and then she looks at it and she just goes I said $15 and I was like okay so I took that and then I asked her I said well um when when does the season end when is it over and she goes I don't know Labor Day maybe I don't know and I was like okay well, then to go back to Shipshawana where we were, we were on this rooftop at this really neat restaurant my parents took us to. And uh, we're there, and this waitress comes out, and she has the full garb on the Amish or Mennonite. I don't know if she was Amish or Mennonite. I'm more confused about what is Amish or Mennonite after being there. <laughs> I think some people are cheating a little bit up there. Because I saw some Nike socks, and I saw some phones, cell phones out, come out of pockets. I don't know. I, I'm really, we went to a museum, and it made it so much blurrier for me about what is, you know, if you were Amish or family Amish, God bless you, bless them. I just, I don't get it. I like, I like electricity. I like air conditioning, right? So, you know, I'm sure they have the right heart in it to a degree. Like Jesus said, if your right hand causes you sin, cut it off, throw it into the ocean. Good for them, you know? Um, I'm sure, I know that's the heart behind it, whatever. I'm going to drive a car. I'm going to drive a truck. So the deer has to go somewhere in the vehicle. Um, so anyway, that's not the point at all. But... Um, I'm like lost now. I got myself lost. The garb. Yeah, she came out. She came out. And so there was the pool girl that was a little rude. But then this lady came out on that rooftop and she said, 
Leland, or she didn't know his name. She said, hey, buddy. <laughs> she said, hey, how are you? And rubbed his head, and she said, hi. She turned to all of us, and she said, it's so good to see all of you today. What would you like to drink? And, and then she continued, and, and she was just very sweet, very patient with us. It's hot on the rooftop. And she goes back, the wind blows a bunch of our fries and, and cups over. She comes out real quick, and she's in her 60s. She said, oh, my goodness, are you all okay? Is there anything I can do to help? And just the servant heart of her, even though we were hot and sweaty and sticky, she made the experience great. And so I remember that lady and how it's so much of a blessing to other people when we're just kind to them. And, and being in the will of God isn't only for our own benefit, but it's for the benefit of others. And we see that in this scripture because he says, I'm going to read this again. It says, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Now, that's not only speaking of, of a physical, it's not speaking of a physical house, but of a, a dynasty. It says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up offspring to succeed you of your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. This is speaking of Jesus the one who will build my, the house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. This is the part of the Davidic covenant that is the roadmap for what God would do because for a kingdom to be established forever, it couldn't come through a man, but a God-man. And that's through Jesus Christ. And I, I love what the angel says to Mary in Luke Chapter In Luke chapter 1, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to his son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And I will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So moving back to verse 14 of 2 Samuel, I will be his father, he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod wielded by men. That's speaking of, of the other sons of David and Solomon with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure before me forever. Your throne will be established forever. And it's in Jesus he is the way. He's the one. It's so important. There were 14 generations from Jesus to David. Think about how amazing that is. That, that, that God used David's line, and there were even fractures in that where God said, this, this king isn't allowed to have a descendant from, it won't have another king underneath him. And so that line is in Joseph's line, but David has, or in Mary, there's the line of David that is completely correct. It's so amazing. All the prophecies about Jesus that were fulfilled, it's, it's like impossible. It's a God thing. Aren't you thankful that Jesus made a way for you and I? It's important that we acknowledge, listen, it's important that we acknowledge that, that, that he did the impossible. There's this story from uh, the Voice of Martyrs Ministries, if you're familiar with them, they tell the stories of missionaries and pastors that are persecuted across the world. 
And they tell this story, I believe it's from 1910s, maybe 1920s, but this little girl, she grew up and she would look in the mirror every day and she would pray and be upset, God, why did you make me with brown eyes? Why didn't you make me beautiful with blue eyes? She never heard an answer, but she would pray that over and over again as a child. Well, she grew up, ended up becoming a missionary in India, and she would, uh, because she was white, she would take coffee and rub it on her skin so that she could go rescue these little girls from sex trafficking. And one day, she's putting the coffee on her skin, and she's looking in the mirror, and the Holy Spirit says to her, do you know why I gave you brown eyes and I didn't give you blue eyes is so you could do this and save these little girls. We want to acknowledge God and his ways. We want his ways, not ours. And you know, I'm sure that she has blue eyes in heaven now. In heaven, I'm going to be 6'2". <laughs> right? We all have our own version. Josie said, I don't think it works that way. My faith is stronger than hers, okay? <laughs> so we, but the point is, we want to acknowledge. Let's be people who acknowledge the Most High. Let's be people who acknowledge His ways, acknowledge what He's done, how amazing it is that He made a way through the wilderness and streams through the wasteland so we could have access to the Most High God. Let's acknowledge what he's doing in your own life, how he's blessed you. You live in America. This area right here is one of the most blessed places on the world. We're in the 1% of the 1%. If you have a roof over your head and a car, you're blessed. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.